0: Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in mo- modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107
1: I'm Earl Johnston from Hypatia Industries.
2: I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD.
1: I'm Michael Rogg. And
0: today, uh, <laughs> and today, we are talking hosting, and we have Nevin Line from Arcus Tech on here. Ev, Nevin, thank you for joining us.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
0: And I, my understanding is that uh, you have had plenty of sleep in the last couple of days.
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: Due to the, the fun times with the uh, Meltdown inspector stuff that we may get into. But what we're talking about uh, this week is uh, technology. Uh, in terms of hosting. Um, basically, whenever we create something as web developers, in order to share it with the world, we got to put it somewhere, right? It's got to be hosted somewhere. Um, and this is a, uh, a, a topic that a lot of web developers, they, it's kind of like an afterthought in a sense, right? They view the creation of the thing as the primary work and you know, I'll deal with the, the hosting thing later or you know, maybe not deal with it. <clears throat> and what we want to talk about are some options in terms of uh, what you might want to do for hosting your project and, and also how uh, important uh, it can actually be to pick a, the right host. Not even just a good host, but the right host uh, for your project. Um, so I think we should uh, probably jump right in and, and start talking about terminology. Um, and you guys, if you have anything to add to it while we're, we're talking about it, please do. Um, but basically, we have uh, shared hosting, and we have uh, a VPS. And shared hosting is basically you've got a server, and this is kind of the old school um, hosting from the point of view of, you know, it used to be back in the day that super servers were super expensive, so they would buy a server create an account for each person that wanted to have a site on there. Um, and then you would be sharing the resources. And I don't know about you guys, but I remember back in the day, and even not that long ago, where I've had <laughs> issues where websites that I've created have gone down because other uh, clients on that same shared host were chewing up the resources. You guys, have you guys ever run into that?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was really funny. So I did a a restaurant site, right? And this was on a local shared hosting provider that they had been using for quite some time. And at certain times of the day, the website would just stop working. And it ends up being that they had just added a client to that same um, shared host that was chewing up a whole lot of resources or they had built the site in a non-performant way. Um, and the website that I built then just stopped working. And I was just like, this was only like two years ago. And, you know, back in the day, you know, I understand that this was a thing and technology in terms of virtualization hadn't gotten quite that far, but I was, I was personally shocked, um, to see that as being a thing these days, um, in terms of running it into. So, Shared hosting, like an analogy I kind of like to make is it's kind of like having an apartment in an apartment building, right? You you generally have a, it's for more modest needs usually. Your neighbors are right on top of each other um, and what is going on next door to you can kind of affect you in one way or another. Uh, You know, I don't know if that's a perfect analogy, but I think it's kind of reasonable. And a VPS is a virtual private server. And that is where you actually have a quantifiable uh, virtual server somewhere that is yours. You own the whole thing. You have a dedicated amount of CPU that that thing has. Um, And yes, it's running in a uh, cluster with a hypervisor and a whole bunch of others, but you are still guaranteed a certain amount of CPU and you're guaranteed a certain amount of bandwidth, right? Um, And then both shared hosting and VPSs, they can be either managed or unmanaged. Does anyone want to tackle explaining the difference between managed and unmanaged?
4: Mike sure. Or? But but although, um, let's put a, a third mark on the spectrum, right? Because on one end you have your shared hosting, and then in the middle you sort of have VPSs, and on the other end of that spectrum is a private host, um, yeah. and it and that's where you literally own. A, a box that is hooked up in some data center yes. to some network connection. And I and own some
0: of box. those and my recommendation and, would be do not do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. Right. But it but it makes the it makes VPS's being in the middle make a little bit more sense. That's true. Um because like so I, I sort of tend to think of of VPS's as my apartment in my apartment building. And like shared hosting is like my bed in a hostel. <laughs>
1: right and if, like the yeah, guy who I got was thinking there, maybe like a, like a tent city or something <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right like
4: if if the guy who gets uh... the host, to the hostel like just takes a shower that's too long then there's no more hot water left right. for me whereas like in my mansion you know in the middle of of nowhere like all the hot water is mine and because I own it and like somewhere in the middle is this is my apartment where like you know the building is planned such that there is a certain capacity of hot water for each unit, um, yeah. so yeah, so that's kind of the spectrum and oh, just to stretch to be- it
0: even further, Michael, because you know we yeah. might as well just pound these analogies out all the way down until they're they're completely <laughs> useless yes, but you, you could even consider it- uh shared hosting, it could be like your drunk buddy that banged on your door at three in the morning and he flopped and passed out on your couch right <laughs> in in terms of like. You know, the, the the quality of the, the sleep and the, the invasiveness um, of it or how <laughs> one can affect the other. Anyway, tell us about uh, managed yeah, so, so hosting managed versus... And managed unmanaged. and unmanaged. Yeah. So,
4: um, so managed means that there is someone managing the actual infrastructure for you, and unmanaged means there isn't. So if you run your own private server and it's your box hooked up to a network somewhere, then you are responsible for taking it out of the box and installing the software on it and figuring out how the hosts work and putting the websites on it and updating it for security releases when you know some new meltdown comes out um, and monitoring it to make sure that it stays online and doesn't do anything naughty and isn't getting hacked. Yep. And so then on the other side of that, is a managed service, uh, which is where there is some company with a staff that does all of that for you and just gives you an, you know, some nice way, some control panel or FTP or whatever to just put your stuff on the server. And it has a set menu of technology that it runs. And the company or team who's managing it has committed to keeping that stuff running and updated for you so that all you have to worry about is kind of your little top layer um, of that's sitting on top of all this tech. Right,
0: yeah. And in terms of uh, unmanaged VPS providers, some of the really well-known ones, and there's some crossover, but Linode, DigitalOcean, Vulture, AWS, you know, these all let you just spin up
2: unmanaged services. But even, even the ones that are considered unmanaged, are still somewhat managed. I mean, like like DigitalOcean, for example. I mean, you're not managing the, the the routing and the switches, and you're not managing the hypervisor and stuff like that. So, in some sense, even unmanaged hosts. I just did air quotes, even though nobody can see that I did that. <laughs> air um, quote. Yeah. yeah. Even, even if you have a service that's, that's unmanaged, it's still somewhat managed. I mean, a lot of that stuff none of us would, would want to be in the trenches uh, yeah. doing, well, but there is somebody doing that. So it's, it's a
4: spectrum. It, it is, It's a spectrum, yeah. and your yeah. shared hosting is usually towards the more managed end of the spectrum, and your private hosting is usually towards the unmanaged end of the spectrum, and your VPSs fall somewhere in the yeah. middle. I mean, is there, middle. is there
0: anything these days that is not a spectrum? Okay, I mean
4: <laughs> everything is a
0: spectrum, right? right. Um, I guess the only thing I would say about that, Jonathan, is that I do own my own physical servers that are sitting in a rack at a colo center, right? And even in that extreme situation, you still have people that are managing the routers and the switches and you know right. all that kind of stuff for you. Um, I think the, the distinction I make, and it's just my personal distinction between managed and unmanaged. Um, is that managed servers have a person there, you know, Mm -hmm. from the point of view of if something goes wrong, that's the person that will fix it for you. And that's the person that determines the stack that is installed. And if you have a problem, you file a support ticket and your managed host has a staff that then takes care of that queue and, and fixes that. So Nevin, you have some passing interest in this uh, thing that we're discussing here. Is, is, do you think that's an accurate way to describe managed versus unmanaged? Uh,
3: yes, um, definitely. It's um, it's realistically from that stack level um, to the server. Um, obviously, yes, even a co-location, there's somebody that's managing some level above you as well. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it really comes down to the fact of, you know, are you self managed? You're making the t- determination of what stack you're running. Are you running, right? You know, Apache. Are you running whatever? Are you installing cPanel for whatever reason? Um, but uh, on the managed side, it's you're basically handing that off to a team of people that are handling that for you. Yeah, you're basically
0: uh, saying I don't want to deal with this. I want some people smarter than me to take care of provisioning and managing this server. And I, I'm, I'm I going to make a claim that you may think I'm completely full of it, but in my opinion, a lot of managed hosting providers, they're not even in the hosting business. They're in the service business or support business, right? Isn't that yeah. a huge part of, of what it is that you're offering?
3: It's pretty much probably a full part of what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, so I would even argue like, yes, you are technically you are hosting stuff, but really the, the business is a service and support business.
3: Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, and if we want to take analogies even further. Oh God, um, do it. Manage yeses. is it, Realistically, it's almost like shared hosting, except that you have that dedicated resources. Right. Well, that's a,
0: that's a big distinction though. And the reason why I wanted to make that distinction is I would never recommend anyone get a, uh, in 2018, I would never recommend anyone be on shared hosting. Like there's just no reason for it. There are so many resources out there where you can spin up just a micro instance of whatever and sharing stuff on there. However, I think there are very good reasons why you might want to have managed hosting. And I just want to make, sometimes those two terms kind of get conflated together um, and i just want to make sure that uh, we're making a distinction between the two because shared shared hosting is i mean one of the problems with shared hosting is just it's not you're not getting a deterministic chunk of stuff necessarily uh, depending on uh, the host whereas if you get a vps you you are buying x amount of stuff but it's important to note that managed hosting is very different from shared hosting you can have a Managed hosted VPS, or you can have an unmanaged hosted VPS, and there might be very, very good reasons why you would want managed hosting. Um, and I think one of the one of the big arguments that I hear from people a lot of the time is, well, you know, I want to give the client someone to call. I want them to have a number to call when something goes wrong. At three in the morning, I don't want them calling me. Right, I want them to call somebody else, bother somebody else, and let them deal with fixing it. And I, I can totally understand that perspective, um, especially if you are coming at things from the perspective of being more of a designer that fell into web development, and you know maybe you don't have a whole lot of um, computer science or. Um, uh, Unix background in terms of managing servers, like I get it. Like I get why it seems scary, and you don't want to have to to manage this stuff. Um, is any? And I know uh, Earl, you yeah. are a patron. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Of Arcus Tech. That's true, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I can definitely. I mean, I, I know you guys um, are. Of the uh, unmanaged VPS, uh, you know, inclination, uh, and I, I run one for my personal site. I have I'm no pretty I- sure
0: Nevin is is oh, oh, is okay yeah. <laughs> with the managed hosting <laughs> right, part. Yeah, right,
1: right, right. Okay, <laughs> uh, but as far as so yeah, so the the 3 a.m. phone call, right? Uh, really, what's going on there is that uh, uh, you know they they're still going to call you, Like they're mm-hmm. still my website's down. They're calling the developer, whoever they're they're kind of. But the thing is, is then then I open a ticket at 3 a.m. and I go back to bed. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't have to sit up and troubleshoot for the next couple hours in the middle of the night to try and figure out exactly what, what, what went wrong. Uh, if, if
0: they are contacting you, and I know that this happens too, right? Mm-hmm. Because even though a lot of the reasons why people will get managed hosting is you know, they don't want to deal with the 3 a.m. phone call, mm-hmm. I know that d- uh, web developers are still getting these 3 a.m. phone calls. And I think if that's happening, that's your fault. okay? Because <laughs> you need to tell your client – First of all, turn your phone off.
1: Man. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I'm not an animal. I mean, I do if, that. This if, is hypothetical. <laughs> turn your phone <laughs> off. Like, I've, I've got an
0: auto do not disturb on my phone mm-hmm. that at 11 o'clock at night, it's, it's done. Yeah, like reasonable. It's, you're That's it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but is the other thing I is... I could reach you last night at 2 a.m.? <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs>
4: but, but then the... I can always get a hold of Andrew at 2 a.m. <laughs> I have to be on Slack. Then <laughs> Whatever. Then he's guaranteed to be there. The Whatever.
0: But the, the, the other thing is you need to tell your client, this is the number, right? This right. is the contact info. If anything goes yeah. wrong with the server, get in touch with those Well, I guys.
1: think we can all speak to you know, a client's ability to follow directions. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, lo- I love my clients to death, but uh, I, I get tons of uh, – I mean, I've written, taken very uh, – dedicated a ton of time to writing very good uh, you know, documentation for the sites and stuff. And still, you get those emails like, how do I – do this, and then you just send them a link. Here yeah, there it is. Well, know, the, I
0: mean, clients are like your kids, right? They drive right, you crazy, right, but you right, love them, to right, them, right? Right. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I totally get that. Um, but yeah. so, what I do personally for my setups um, is I use uh, Forge to spin things up. And there's a little bit of confusion in terms of where Forge uh, fits in on this kind of spectrum of host hosting that we're talking about. So basically using Forge, um, you will link that to an unmanaged VPS provider like Linode or DigitalOcean or Vulture or AWS or whatever. And then you just click a button and you can spin up a new server, right? Which is, it's kind of nice, but really the awesome part about Forge is that it does the provisioning for you. So this base set of packages that are going to be on your server Forge takes care of managing and installing for you. Um, and I would, I would even call this like a semi-managed hosting, sort of, um, because it does automatically install security updates for you. Um, and Server Pilot does the same thing, right?
4: Yeah, so I, I think the, there's a distinction there because in, in this case you have two services and one is a hosting service. Right. And one is a management service. Yep. So your DigitalOcean, your Linode, whatever, is an unmanaged VPS hosting service. Right. And then Forge or Server Pilot is a suite of software designed to help you manage those boxes by provisioning them with certain snapshots of software right. and helping you deploy things to them, et cetera. And so something like Forge or ServerPilot is helping you take a cheap, unmanaged VPS product and turn it into a semi-managed hosting product by virtue of you using the management suite like Forge. Right. Well, it makes but, the but you,
2: unmanaged manageable. It, well, that's, right. very yes. that's
4: very
0: true. That's very true. But the interesting thing is, like, once you have it set up, you actually will never even see your um, your actual VPS provider anymore, right? Because you just you click a button and you say, give me a new one, it contacts the VPS provider, spins it up, and you never have to go anywhere else, right? In order to provision an entirely new server or an entirely new website, you never leave Forge. Same thing with Server Pilot, right? You, they, they link up with these other services and they will provision them. And the nice thing about it is that it will provision it with a deterministic suite of software. Like it's going to be Ubuntu 16.04. Um, They're going to install NGINX, PHP uh, 7, 7 7.1, 7.2, whatever you want. Um, And then all of the, like a suite of software that's really, really good for um, people who are doing PHP uh, development. Um, But the main thing for me is it's a a deterministic thing from the point of view of um, every time I spin one of these things up, it's a known environment. I know what's in there. I don't have to worry about, you know, what's installed, this, that, or the other thing. Um, And then the benefit for me, and this is not for everyone. I mean, I I think Forge is fantastic, but I, um, you know, I've been married long enough to know that what I need and like is not necessarily what everyone else (laughs) needs and likes, right? Um, But the reason it's awesome for me is that if I want to install, like, JPEG Optum, I just do sudo apt get install JPEG Optum, boom, it's installed. Or... Even easier, Forge has a a concept of recipes where if you have provisioning stuff on top of your standard uh, Forge setup that you want installed, you can put that in a recipe. And every time you create a new server, it will layer those things on top. Um, Whereas if I'm dealing with a managed host, I have to file a ticket, say, please install this. Um, And they may or may not. Um, and, and, and Evan, I don't know what, maybe you can tell us what your policy on this is or, or, or not, but I know some managed VPS providers, there's a certain suite of things that they will allow you to install. And and then others will just say,
3: "Mm, sorry, we don't do that. Um, (laughs) that's an interesting question. Um, maybe, uh, generally. (laughs) Generally speaking, if if it's officially an if it's officially an Ubuntu, app get install package, mm-hmm. we we'll generally install it. Okay. If you're deviating outside of the actual stack, if you write us saying, "Hey, we want uh, uh, a Java, you know, Tomcat installed or something," that's not part of Ooh. our stack. Is that so, still around? You we know, have people that ask for it. Believe me. Um, but, uh, well, that makes know,
0: sense because you guys have to support it, right? You don't want to install something completely non standard.
3: Yeah. And for us, we have to have, because we're managing it, we need to have some internal knowledge of it. Right. Um, of course. You have people that ask us to install, like, uh, Elasticsearch. All right. Uh, we will install it um, as long as, you know, there's certain surf size recommendations. I wouldn't recommend installing it on a really, really small VPS because it, <laughs> doesn't really run really well. Right. Um, but generally speaking, it's, if it's part of Ubuntu, uh, because we actually do buy uh, Conical's uh, commercial advantage support on all of our server stuff. Mm-hmm. So if something breaks, if we're seeing a weird issue, um, we can contact them and actually figure out if it's a, an actual software layer OS layer bug issue, uh, which we have run across some. Um, But that's something that most people aren't going to do with their Linux installs, yeah. Because I've Uh,
0: run into some managed hosts that I've worked with that even simple things like JPEG Optum or WebP, they'll just say, "Mm, no, we're not going to install
3: that. Use a service. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, as long as it's for us, as long as it's NAPKit install, especially those types of things, yeah. it's really easy. Um, I mean, WebP, I think you can install. Uh, I don't think there's an actual Ubuntu package for it. There is, but I think you, is it? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got some people that'll have us install uh, npm, Node. That way, they can install packages. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Composer. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, then they can just do it that way.
1: Interesting. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm running node on
3: a couple. Yeah, it's those are nice things because, of course, a lot of those can actually be installed at the user account level, and then you've got control over that stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, we're again, it's part of that service aspect. Um, you know, we're trying to work with the client, not basically black and white, yes, no. Um, right. In some instances, it's more of a maybe. You know, if, we've worked, I mean, if you've been working with your shop for a long time and we know that you have certain things that you need installed and realistically we never hear from you again, then we're more opt to do it where we've got some developers that they want things installed and then they want us to support them using that technology. And it's like, okay, that's not really how... The magic aspect works. It's, right, right. it's like having us install PHP and then writing us saying, "How do I make this work?" Yeah, can you make uh, PHP go? You know, <laughs> if you're asking for it, but that's not always the case. Well, and you have to be you have to be
0: careful about it. Like there there are a lot of um, uh, landscaping uh, supply shops around here that you can go and you can just rent stuff, right? And if they have you know someone walk in there who clearly doesn't know anything about anything that asks for, like, a five-foot chainsaw, right? I mean, they're probably not going to want to give it to them because <laughs> it's going to end in, a, in an absolute nightmare. And you kind of have to be in the same uh, position from that point of view where you have to be like, yeah, does it really make sense to install this for this client, right? Because do they understand it? Do they understand? And what are the support implications going to be once we do install this, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, the nice part for us is... I mean, for years, even before Arcus Tech, um, we've mainly focused on working with and selling services to dev shops right. instead of individual end users. Right. Um, we don't market like GoDaddy to, hey, you've got a website, you should move it to us. It's more along the lines of, hey, you're uh, a dev shop. My, my favorite thing is when I see
0: someone either on you know uh, Stack Exchange or in Slack or whatever, and they start their problem with, So I'm on GoDaddy shared hosting, and I'm having such and such a problem. And I just stopped reading right there. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, like, no, I mean, that part of it just has to change before we can kind of finish this discussion. But uh, Jonathan, what is your kind of take on – because, again, I think the biggest thing that I see um, in terms of people deciding between managed and unmanaged – now, first of all, I think it depends on the client, right? Right. Um, That's right, and I think it also depends on the developer in terms of the the comfort level. But what what is your what are your thoughts on uh, managed versus unmanaged, and people worried about having to become a, a sysadmin, or people worried about um, who the client is going to call at two in the morning or whatever.
2: So I think that I mean a couple of years ago that was a very real concern. So if you were just going to get a VPS and it was going to be entirely up to you to provision this thing in the proper way and make sure everything works right. And it was going to be entirely your problem. I think that there was, there's was a huge case to be made there that, yeah, I, I don't want this monkey on my back. This is not really what I do. I'm not a sysadmin. Um, but I guess right when Server Pilot jumped on the scene, hmm. Server Pilot was the first provisioning service that I ever played with, mm-hmm. and um, I remember that the way you were describing Forge is you really don't even have to fool with the um, with your VPS provider. I think Server Pilot's changed it, this now, but back in the day, what you had to do is you logged into Server Pilot and you would set up a new machine, and they would give you like a little snippet of code. And then you would have to SSH into your VPS and run this snippet of code, and then that would pull down all of your packages and provision everything. So I remember playing with it um, for the first time because I had a small site that it didn't, you know, it would be the perfect one to experiment with. And I was kind of amazed at how easy um, that whole process was. And I would have never touched DigitalOcean before that because I'm not a sysadmin. And I don't want these I can kinds... vouch for that he is <laughs> <Yeah>. not a is <assistant. laughs> yeah, no, I'm not so but I was amazed at at how easy it was um, so with Forge, I think that um, the advantage to forge maybe over server palette, if we're going to talk about provisioners, I, I'm not really the hugest fan of the way that server palette provisions. I think what they do is they take Nginx x and they place it in front of apache as right. um, as like a proxy, and so this is for. You know a lot i think in server pilot they're they're all about the wordpress market and this kind of stuff and so they have a lot of people still relying a lot on their ht access files for things to work properly so that that setup makes sense you can take advantage of your ht access files you can take advantage of uh, more performant web server with Nginx. so with forge um, i ended up moving to forge just because i know a lot of people use homestead uh, to develop locally But that's a real advantage to have a local development environment that's going to match your uh, production environment. Mm -hmm. So this has kind of um, been my go-to hosting setup for the last at least two years. Probably. Well, aren't aren't you worried about your clients calling you though? Like, why is that not a concern for you? I'm not worried. I guess, like, call me lucky. Maybe, like, maybe it'll happen the second we get off this this podcast. They're (laughs) going to call me. But it's it's literally never happened. I mean, I have clients call me with issues um, related to the site, but it's almost always something, or well, it is always something not related to, like, some low-level problem on the server. It's just literally never happened right. to me. Um, I mean, the, the the fact is that, you know, once these things, these servers are provisioned and it gets up and running, unless you're just doing something incredibly stupid or you've done, like, a bunch of custom, you know, you've installed a bunch of packages you don't really understand and you're misusing them or whatever. The likelihood that the thing is just going to go belly up is not that high really. I I think the other aspect too, which we were talking about before we jumped on was like backups and stuff like that. Mm. Um, A lot of clients, you know, the client and you want the peace of mind that if something were to happen, Um, To your VPS, you're not just going to lose, you know, the whole site. So I think there's some comfort in um, in the managed solutions that you know what we'll get. We're going to take care of these backups for you. Everything's going to be safe. We're going to take care of this. You don't have to worry about it. Um, You do have to do a little bit of extra work um, in an unmanaged host, but it's not that much extra work. Um, You know, you have to have somewhere to back it up. So maybe that's an S3 bucket. You have to have. Um, a script that runs. Um, You have to install Amazon's uh, command line tool if that's what you're using um, for your backups. Um, But it's not impossible, but I can see, you know, for some people who just really don't want to get their hands dirty with this stuff, um, managed managed is a great solution there. But for people who are a little more comfortable with it, it's not the end of the world um, to get these things provisioned and to get it up and running in a way that you really don't have to worry about your clients calling you at 3 a.m., um, and it's it's just it's never happened to me. I don't know if anybody else has ever. So I think as soon happen.
0: as you said <clears throat> run a script, there's probably a certain segment of people that just said right, not going to happen. That. Like I'm just right. not going to do yeah. it. Right? Sure. Um, yeah, and absolutely. that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Right. I mean, there you know, different levels of of services are available for different people. It's no big right. deal. Right. As far as the backups are concerned, all of these unmanaged hosting services, whether it's DigitalOcean, Linode, Vulture, whatever, they all offer backups built into them. Now, the backup that is there is just a, what's called a snapshot backup, where right. it essentially makes a disk image of your entire server. Um, there's an extra charge for that. <clears throat> but you can do that if... A, I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: Which we don't charge for.
0: Nice. Right. I like the little <laughs> plug. Very good, <laughs> Devin. You're on point today. Um but there, I'm just saying that there is a way to do those snapshot backups. However, but, snapshot backups are not something that you want to rely on for your database no, backups. Right? They're no. incredibly
2: bloated because you're backing up the entire instance of that machine at the time that the snapshot runs. Everything. Right. I mean, I would argue in a lot of situations, there's only one backup you even need to make. Mm. You you back up your database, and that's it. Especially and and that's if-
0: the, that's the thing that and and I think part of the reason why some people are not Um, there may be a technical barrier here, but part of the reason why some people are not on board with the, the whole unmanaged VPS thing, I think is because they don't have the same kind of workflow that we do from the point of view of everything's in Git and there's a database. And that's really the only piece of data we need to worry about. Um, Maybe the assets that the client has uploaded, you know, whatever, but really if you, if you have your workflow, right. And something goes disastrously wrong with your VPS, it should be pretty trivial for you to just click a button, fire up another VPS, uh, point the uh, the Git repo at it, dump the database in there, switch the DNS, boom, back up and running, right?
2: Especially if like assets are not even involved. So like if you have a site where Am- the assets you- are in S three. They're they're in an S3 bucket yeah. or 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 whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I think DigitalOcean even has a service now volumes. I think I haven't played with it, but I think it's kind of like Amazon's S3. So yeah. So if you have a situation where literally the only thing that changes about your site is the database, because your images are in some other cloud provider, the the core you know files of the application are in Git. The only thing you need to back up is the database.
0: Well, and and and. That's the thing in that a lot of people talk about that we're in a disposable culture from the point of view that a lot of things that we buy, we use them, and then we throw them out. Like the, the days of having an appliance that we keep for 30 years, they're just over, right? And it really is kind of the same thing from a server's point of view, uh, except it's a lot more environmentally friendly. Like if something goes wrong with your VPS, <laughs> you just throw it out and you make a new one
2: and, and if your workflow is, is
0: decent setting a new one up again is su- is super easy you know and this is
2: my strategy too with with VPSs i i i throw them away all the time and make new ones i don't right. upgrade a VPS so right. like if if i have a legacy client on um, ubuntu 1404 yep. i don't i don't upgrade like even if it's some minor thing where i feel like i'm going to have to go in and do something i don't quite understand i don't even fool with it right. i literally spin up a new one. It takes me 10 minutes. I migrate everything over. I repoint my floating IP and I'm done. And I trash the old one. And so, yeah, these, there is an advantage that these things are highly disposable.
3: And we do that as well. So right. if we're moving someone from 14.04 to 16.04, we're literally spinning a new right. one, moving the data for the client yeah, and moving the IP over. Right. Um, the one thing that we see a lot of for managed services is, Usually dev shops where they've got a client that's come that, to them that you know may only be using you for the development side and it's not a long term relationship no or service
0: contract worried,
3: you know well what happens to my hosting if we change dev shop right right you know so they end up wanting to have a a managed service to where we're managing the server not the developer right and yeah that's and that's not it
0: and I, I do that but. too. Like I, I have my when I spin up the uh, servers for my clients, I make sure that they own them, right? So uh, they own the the server. Um, I with Forge, I can just go in and provision it, but still, it's their server, and I don't have to deal with with anything. Um, so we're we're totally on the same page with that. But that underlines the idea that you are in the service business, right? Right? Because you're offering the a lot of the same. Uh, techniques and technologies, but you're saying we're going to do this for you, which I can totally understand why that would be very appealing because, you know, when I was saying, if your site goes down just spin up a new VPS, change the DNS over, I'm sure there's a certain number of people that their eyes were just like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, That's no, that's not what I do. I design awesome websites and I build awesome websites. I am not going to do all this kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's really interesting from the point of view that um, technology and, and automation are, at least to, to some extent, uh, you know, taking care of this, this problem from the point of view of uh, deterministic uh, provisions where we can just set these things up. Um, and I think we're, um, Arcus Tech has been around for quite some time, formerly engine hosting, right? Yeah. Um, and been you guys offer for- some fantastic uh, managed VPS services. Uh, and are a craft partner, uh, for those of, uh, those of you listening who are uh, craft developers. Um, but I'd be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, Fort Rabbit is another service um, that they do similar things, and there's some great guys working over there. Cloudways is another relative newcomer to the scene that um, they spin up a, a modern VPS for you, and they manage it for you. Um, and something a lot of people don't know about Linode uh which is typically just an unmanaged VPS provider. Um, I think it's seventy nine a month maybe. They offer managed hosting as well. Like if you wanna if you wanna manage unmanaged, like you can kinda kinda do whatever you want. Um but I think the the interesting thing that Arcus Tech is offering is you have a, a platform that's pretty geared towards dev shops um and towards running things like Expression Engine or Craft or that type of thing, right, Nevin?
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got a lot of WordPress users too, but you know, it's realistically we're as, again, like you've said, we're more of a service company. Um, yeah. Every you know, every, every time <laughs> every <laughs> time I There's hear people,
0: whether they're they hosts or developers, they they talk about yeah, you know, we got some WordPress users. It almost sounds like you know, like they've got a flea infestation. Yeah. Eh, we got some of those too, but you know,
1: uh, everyone just rolls. Yeah, everyone just rolls <laughs> their
0: eyes.
3: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can almost say with certainty that 100% of websites that we've been contacted saying we've been compromised hmm. are WordPress
1: sites. That I totally believe. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've so, seen yeah. that happen. I can't I can't happen. People, I Jack's saw, complete like, lack of I can't surprise. Go.
0: No, can't to- think of- I've totally seen that happen. I, I mean, I, I, I spent one of the most miserable times of my life. Helping a friend out, who had a WordPress site that was compromised, and oh my god, it was just horrendous. Are you all still friends?
1: <sighs> <laughs>
0: I don't want to. I don't want to talk about. They're doing couples therapy. That's fine. Now, but it, yeah, it was gross. Like the things that I encountered, and they had a root shell open. That was. I mean, it's just all sorts of horrible things were going on.
3: Now, for you guys that like to actually play with servers, yep. If you want to play with a f- Physical dedicated server that is uh, deployed like uh, unmanaged VPS. Check out packet.net. Packet.net.
0: Yeah, there's another one too. Isn't there like a physical server in eight minutes? Isn't there like a metal something or other? There, there's some other know. VPS provider that is doing that type of thing. So I, I fall kind of in the middle. Like I have been administering or managing um, Unix boxes. In one form or another, like, you know, since Minuto and New Kids on the Block were a thing, right? It's been a while, okay? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, you know, I'm pretty good at it. I probably could get hired as a sysadmin. I wouldn't say that I'm the best in the world, but I'm I'm pretty decent at it. Um, but even I don't like, I honestly don't like setting up a server raw. Like, I, I prefer... Um, to fire it up with a, a base OS like Ubuntu 16.04. And then I prefer to have it provisioned by Forge or Server Pilot. Or Honestly, like I don't even care who it is that does it. I just want it to be a deterministic setup so that all the stuff that I want is there when I go to start working on this thing. You know, And that's really what I'm going for. Like, I, I, I got two kids and three dogs, man. I don't have enough time in the day. To just fire up a raw server somewhere and, and tinker with it and install it. Like I've done that many, many times. Been there, done that. Don't need to keep doing that. So I, I kind of like there being a base layer of stuff that I can be sure is there and is ready for me to go.
3: You know? I
2: did it as a fun experiment one time. I, I spun up a, um, uh, a DigitalOcean VPS. It was just like the base Ubuntu install. And I was like, I'm just going to try to provision this thing like myself, just to, yeah. just so that I'll learn something um, and see what's involved. Well, the thing I ended up learning was I don't want to do that.
3: <laughs>
0: well, I think the basics of it aren't that bad. It's, it's when you start doing it for the 15th time mm. that you're just yeah. like, oh, really? Right. Like, you know, yeah. I just want this stuff to just kind of work. So from that perspective, I can get the um, mentality that some people have uh, where they want, just want to manage. So because they're like, you know what, man? I just want it to work. I want to get on with my job. I want to design this site. I want to make the client happy. I don't want to deal with this stuff.
4: Um, oh, and it's, it's, it, it's that the first 90% of it may be completely straightforward. Right. But like the last 10% of it <laughs> is the rabbit hole and the more you know about that rabbit hole, the more you know that you don't want to be in it.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I've been in there configuring Postfix and doing all sorts of horrible things. And oh God. And yeah. Post. Right. I, I can't say that it's um. I can do it, but it's not on my list of things that I really necessarily want to do. Right. You know, like I, I've got again, I've got two kids. I've changed many diapers, but it doesn't mean I'm really eager to go in there and and start flinging the poo around. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, the other thing, too, I mean, the, the managed options are, it's not, they're not cost prohibitive compared to right. just unmanaged VPS, you know, it's not like, uh, and when you mention uh, Linode's, you know, 79 a month or whatever, that's like down from when, when I first remember reading about it, it was whatever your base rate was plus 100 a month. Yeah. To manage the VPS and it's like I depends, haven't checked you know. it. I don't know no, what no, no. the exact I, yeah. numbers are, but I just uh, so I'm yeah. curious. You know, for you guys that use the unmanaged, so you've got you've got your your unmanaged um, VPS, and then you have your provisioner on top of it, and those yep. that's not free. That's not freeware, right? I mean, you're paying for Correct. you're, you're paying, So that's right. So you're effectively paying the same. I'm just trying to understand what the um, is it just nerd street cred. That you guys are like well, I'd have an unmanaged VPS. Uh, no, I don't, check out I my don't sweet glasses. Think, I, I, know that's 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 I, I know that's not true. I know it's not true. But so uh, so is it just the the, uh, the added flexibility of saying, um, yes. you know, I need these uh, specific packages. Whereas again, because I've been you know using our tech for so long, I you know I send those guys an email. If I was spinning up a new instance with them, I'd say you know I need these image compression softwares and so I'd send it all in one email, and then a couple hours later they'd be like here. Well, you know I don't want to say a couple hours. I don't know how long it takes, but. Um, <laughs> Well, no, uh, it's not know, about the street cred. I know, I, mean, I was mostly, mostly kidding, but no, 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 I know no, that, a, I know that you I, you guys not have that. It's about the ladies. Like all <laughs> oh, the right, ladies yeah, like right, if you right, want right. to get a woman, all the ladies love you got to
0: have right. an yeah. unmanaged No, host. I get, it, I I get mean, it. it's right. what you're yeah. saying is street <laughs> cred <laughs> in and of
4: itself is not the end. it's the ladies, right? You get the street cred and then you get Of course, of
0: course I'm joking. So,
4: no. I I think it what it really boils down to in my mind is understanding which pieces you want to own, and which pieces you need to own because you, your project demands it, or the way you're working with it demands it, and which pieces you want to outsource. And so you have this, you know, smorgasbord of uh, services and combinations of services that put you somewhere on the spectrum of managedness. And what you have to do is look at your own skill set, and look at your business model, and look at your project, and figure out which service or combination of services ticks—not necessarily enough boxes, but ticks the right boxes right. for that project in time. So, like, I'm in, um, so I'm in Andrew's boat, right? I get out of my boat, to, man. To the the poor, you know, the poor uh graphic designer turned web developer that's not a computer scientist or a sysadmin like i am a computer scientist and i have 18 years experience as a sysadmin and i, I want to I see your badge you don't want to touch it like, you have a computer science badge let me see it i do i do okay. i'm i'm holding it up uh, let's let the record show my, my computer my computer science badge right here. <laughs> that looks um, like for everyone who's not watching this
0: that was a cocktail <laughs> okay, he, just, he just held up an yeah,
1: alcoholic yeah, beverage so that was I, alcoholic. as, as yeah. proof that's, that he can do. Okay, yeah, I feel just like sad. that's a Sysadmin s- 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 badge. S- my s- yeah, badge. Yeah. No, it's like, you know,
4: like <laughs> even even being comfortable with it, I still want to minimize um, the amount that I have to do, and like make sure that when I'm owning pieces of a stack, they are the pieces of stack that I need to own. So it's like you know, like managedness sort of comes in um, the form of provisioning or setting up your base stack and then configuring or customization on top of that and then your backups and your monitoring and you're deploying projects and files to it and you're migrating things from one host to the next and you're maybe giving other people access to it or you know giving your clients access to it. And so these are all like the sort of boxes that you might wanna tick. And so for me, like provisioning I don't want to manage that. I can, but it's like I know the the base setup that works for me. And if I can automate that in the way that like Forge does, you know, then great. Uh, I want to not own that. But configuration, I need to own because in my projects, we mess with configuration frequently and we're tuning it. And I need to be able to very quickly pull up a file, make a change, have that change take effect without me needing to like, call anybody and I, I like I need complete immediate ownership over configuration. Backups? I don't want to manage. I want them to be automatic. I never want to touch them. Um that's why I you can just use them. my craft scripts and they work. But I need <laughs> them to be I need them to be portable, right? So like right. a snapshot backup right no across good. most services would not work for me right. because because I don't want to invest the time. Like if something goes wrong I don't want to invest the time having to redeploy from a backup to a new server. But DigitalOcean backups, snapshots work really well for me because I can just create a new droplet and deploy a snapshot to that droplet and I don't have to spend time on that. So that's why DigitalOcean is the right solution to take that box. Monitoring I do myself. I've got some some in-house stuff and some uptime robot and that's great, so I own that. I don't need my manager to, to do that. Deployment, I want to be automatic. I want to be hands-off. And Forge, like, the ease of setting up deploy scripts and, like, GitHub hooks in Forge was a huge selling point of Forge for me. Um, And then, you know, like, migration and and portability is a big uh, concern for me because usually um, I am selling hosting management as a part of... My projects. Yeah, it's right? part so of I your part into, of your contract in, into monthly. my business model. Yeah. You know that I'm going to manage hosting, um, which is nice because I get to put it on like my turf, my my terms, and it makes it easier to work with. But like, if a client comes to me and says, "Hey, I need you to manage this WordPress site for two months, and then I'm going to hand it over to my boss's nephew," like that project is not going on my Forge DigitalOcean setup. That project is going straight to DreamHost. Like, because, right. or or or, or, know, or or Arcus Tech. Come right, on, right, 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 I, yeah, yeah, right.
0: you know. Well, um, let me that that and, no, uh, Michael, let me try and Michael. Let me try and directly answer Earl's question. So, I, I think what Earl was was talking about was you know why are we having a managed host when in, uh, sorry an unmanaged host when um, managed hosting through Arcus Tech, Fort Rabbit, RunCloud, you know, uh, sorry, Cloudways. All these services are are really good. Um, and not really that expensive. So, I mean, for me, there are a couple of reasons. Um, one is that if you look at Lino, DigitalOcean, whatever, you can spin up a VPS for your client for 5 bucks a month. And you get a one gigabyte instance. And what I do is I set up a whole lot of little micro instances so that they've got their deterministic, deterministic little sandbox of you know what CPU and all that kind of stuff that they've got. And I can just spin it up. And the the cost of Forge, I think it's like, I don't know, it's like 20 bucks a month or something like that. I don't even remember. It's less than that. Uh, like it 10? depends. They've got a business tier two, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. But you only, you're only you the one that pays that, right? And the client is the one that pays the the actual hosting plan, or at least the way that I work, so that they own and manage that. But the real reason why I like doing this and managing it myself is the way that I work. I mean, I you know, these guys are making fun of me, but I may be working at one in the morning, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And man. I may want to click a button at one in the morning to spin something up, and it's a project that requires, um, you know, a specific package to be installed. Mm-hmm. I want to work on it then. I don't want to file a ticket and wait until the next day until, you know, it gets serviced and it gets installed. That's just me, yeah. right? That's the way that I work. So that's really the advantage to me. Um, is that when you spin up an unmanaged VPS, you have the the router sudo password, and you can do whatever the hell you want with it. You don't have to you know, wait for file a ticket to fix this. Um, you don't have to... like You will have access to the actual Nginx config files. If you want to change those, you can just go in there and change them. Right. You don't have to ask someone to, to change it for you. That's really where... Um, or the reason why that I do it this way, is... Right. You know, when I want to work on stuff, I just want to be able to do it. And not go ahead. Not oh, to and mention and if you're
2: if you're experimenting with something that you've never done before, it'd right. be very difficult to even if you even if you had a system to open up a ticket, you know, like an example I'm thinking of is um, a site that we wanted to experiment with implementing like a fast CGI cache right. on Nginx. Right. Well, I mean this would be really difficult to do even with opening tickets and asking, you know, can you do this, that, right. you know really you have to have server level access to do something like that and it would be hard to do without you know you having total control over that box yeah
0: and that that's a good yeah. point like most i would say like 90% of the sites that i'm making these days are all they're all static cache sites mm-hmm. right they've got like a static caching layer on them um, and you know it just wouldn't really work from a managed hosting perspective hey I maybe mean, you know maybe there's there's some way that that can be uh, done or automated. Like I think what a lot of people will say is you can use services, right? So if you want a static cache site, you can use Fastly um, or um, Cloudflare or whatever and use that as kind of your layer in front of things. So the idea is that instead of um, having it set up on the actual VPS, you just use one of these services and you kind of layer it on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for some projects that makes a ton of sense too. Um, just like for some projects, it makes sense to use a image manipulation service rather than doing all the image transforms on the server itself, right? Right. It, It really depends on the project, but you know, I tried to answer your question as best I could. The reason why I like to do it is I can just, whenever I happen to be working, I can just spin it up. I own the box. I can do whatever the heck I want to it. And if I do something wrong, I just destroy it and make a new one, and I right. just kind of keep going. And that—that that is the the primary reason why I do it this way. Now, is cool. it, did I
1: answer that? No. Yeah. Well, totally. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I was just uh, I was just curious because I know that uh, you know there's other people like me who well there's people who are probably worse off in terms there's no of, one like you. Earl. Well, that's that's definitely true. <laughs> Jeez, you sound like my mom. Uh, <laughs> um, but there's people that are worse off with you know, that have even less sysadmin experience than I do. I mean, right. the only thing that I've uh, you know my first. Uh, my first vps it sounds like a garbage pail kids card but um i did the same thing i spun up uh you know a linode i think it was 1404 when i first did it and just you know provisioned it myself from the ground which i think is a worthwhile uh, experience if anyone ever wants to do that you know you learn things about you know i didn't know anything about ip tables or any of that stuff until i got in there and started setting that stuff up uh yeah, and a I, lot of people I,
0: just don't want to know yeah, that well
1: that's that's fair uh, uh, you know and, and they're uh, uh, and they're welcome to, to do that, uh, to continue down that path of, like, just let somebody else do it.
0: I mean, um, I you know, I drive my car every day, mm-hmm. and it does stuff for me. Mm-hmm. I have, like, and I actually understand, like, when I was younger, I used to work on cars and everything. So I understand, like, the basics of how everything works. Mm. But I have zero desire to get in under the hood right. and to be fixing and working on my car. I want it to take me from place A to place B. Right. And that's yeah. it.
4: Just, yeah, that's it. That's comes down, yeah. It all comes down to just self awareness. Like, it's it's what things do you need to own because right. that is a need of your workflow or right. your project or your business model, and what things can you outsource? And then you match your service or combination of services. Well, I that. think a nice part about everyone's the in- needs vary.
3: Go ahead, Nevin. I think a nice part about the industry is that you do have choices. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so many. You, know, you I mean, we work, we work with a lot of dev shops where you know they do use uh forge or uh we've got a couple large ones that have uh you know their own sort of recipe for deployment on aws like with ansible with or something right? with huge clients yeah but they bring us clients large and small they're basically you know they wanted to go through an actual managed hosting company not the dev shop managing the stack for them and, you know, the project's, you know, been handed to, to some project manager that says this is one of the check boxes that the corporation needs. Right. But the nice part is you've got choices. Right. Uh, you know, you go back 10 years ago, you had yeah. shared hosting and dedicated servers. <laughs> I, right. I
0: got to no, never. you're going to find this funny. So <laughs> for a very long time, uh, I uh, owned and ran a, a software company. And one of the things that we did is we, we actually had an office where we shared it with a, uh, an ISP back in the day, back when there were a lot of like independent internet ISPs. And that was actually a thing. And people actually made money doing that, which really you don't anymore. Um, but so we had, a, we had actually a really good um, uh, connection to the internet. So I had um, our internet server was actually a box sitting in our office. Right, and it was a, a SGI Origin server. Right, I didn't know what th- this was back in like 90, 90, 91, when SGI was like still around and still huge and everything. And I bought two of them, and it had this. This is the the absolute worst purchase of my life, and I kept the goddamn thing <laughs> just to remind myself of how stupid I was. So you had two of these servers, and you could hook them together with a cable and they would act like a kind of a load balance server. It was some I forget what they called the technology, but it was super high tech back in the day. This goddamn cable cost me ten thousand dollars. Oh my god. For the cable that connected these two things. And I and I've kept this cable. And I don't know, maybe I'll hang myself with it one day. <laughs> but it was ridiculous. But and that that was our um, hosting back then is we had these two servers that were sitting in our office and that, that was our web server and I just managed it myself. Um, and actually, <laughs> a really funny thing is the, the only outages we really had is that we also had a parrot in our office. And if anyone's ever owned birds, they actually tend to shed, um, <laughs> you know, detritus and uh, feathers and 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 kind of down quite often. And what happened is these high-powered servers had these big fans, and they were sucking all the feathers oh my God. into the server. And we actually had an outage where I had to go in and just clear out all of the feathers from the server bird, bird related. and blow
2: blow it all out. Bird-related outage. Yeah,
4: we, we,
0: we had a we had an African gray internet uh, server outage. Uh, you know, I
4: had to clean the damn thing. Yeah. We
0: ended up I ended up getting rid of the the bird. Uh, that's a whole other story. Well,
4: he's, but, a, he's but an an internet control. all of the all of the uh, hosting providers that. I've ever used have been bird-free. Yes. Uh, that's your knowledge yeah, yeah. typically a, you're not going to go to many state colos and, and they're not going to have a yeah. birdcage sitting in the corner. <laughs>
2: because <laughs> all servers are subject to the parrot. Yeah, that's <laughs>
4: right. That's right. But I mean, like, it's it's a good point that Nevin makes. It's like, yeah. in the olden days, like you built your workflow, yep. your project and development workflow around the requirements of your hosting service. And now you can pretty much find a hosting service with an offering that fits to your workflow. Right, Um, It's nice that uh, that's a great luxury of... Yeah, and and what is
0: best for you is going to depend on you as a developer or dev shop, um, as well as the client in question. I mean, there there are certain... Like if you're doing Jamstack stuff or a a static site, I mean, you can just host it on surge.sh or GitHub pages and you're done. Like, there's like a, there's no host, because nothing needs to run a database or PHP or any, anything like that.
4: Um, there is a host. What's that? It's a static. There is a host. It's GitHub Pages hosting your static files.
3: Well. It's the serverless model. Yeah, whatever.
0: I mean, it doesn't I've, really do much, though, is my point. Like, there are, there are very few gears that are running. It's just serving up a static page, and that's it. Right? Well, there's and, very few
4: gears running that you have to Touch. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's all the same number of gears. It doesn't matter what kind of host I am, whether I'm GitHub Pages or Arcus Tech or AWS Lambda. Like, there's lots of gears. It's like the question is, how many of them can I see and how many of them do I care about?
0: Well, no, I don't think that that's true because if you have just a truly static site, there are a lot of gears that are gone, right? You, you don't have a server side language that's running. Okay. You, don't, you don't have right. like Node.js running. You don't have. PHP running, or Python, or Ruby, or whatever, and you uh, um, then also don't really have any kind of a database. Like, it's just, it's serving up files, and they, so there there are a lot of kind of gears or cogs missing from that. But I, I guess my the point I was trying to make is that um, I agree that what what you should pick for hosting depends on your client, depends on you, but I also think that People who are worried about trying an unmanaged VPS uh, via Forge or Server Pilot or whatever, I think that some of those concerns are are valid, and I think mm-hmm. some of it, Earl, I'm mm-hmm. talking to you, I'm listening. I think some of it is more peace of mind mm-hmm. or psychology, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like if it if it gives you more peace of mind to say, well, my site is on a managed host, I don't have to deal with anything that goes wrong then that's probably worth it to you, you know? Um, but I think the reality, and kind of Jonathan was getting into that a little bit, the reality of running a, um, an unmanaged host via Forge or server Pilot, it is installing security updates for you. It is providing you with a base install of stuff um, that is going to work and is going to be very reliable. And unless you're in there tinkering with it, it's not like it's going to just suddenly break. Um so I think the reality of people actually calling you at three in the morning probably isn't going to happen very often. Mm-hmm. Um but maybe your client doesn't care. Your client says, doesn't matter, I want someone to be able to call twenty four seven. And that's a case where you go with a managed host,
4: you know? Right. Yeah. Um we, but I, uh, we send a lot of, of projects to Arcus Tech. Yep. Specifically Just for that reason, client says, I want the peace of mind that if you get hit by a meteor, I can call somebody else and they will give me a username and a password. And that's, you know, that's all I need. And that's a very, very valid concern.
0: Yeah. Oh, Um, I, I forgot one really nice point that I wanted to make for Earl. And it may not depend for most businesses, but he asked, you know, why do you do this? So one of the other reasons I um, I go through Forge is I work with lots of clients from all over the world. Um, I can fire up a server in Singapore mm-hmm. if I'm working with a client that is serving the Asia-Pacific region using Vulture. I can do that. If I have a client in Australia using Vulture, I can fire up a VPS down there provisioned by Forge to be exactly the environment that I'm working on, and it will be – in their local market, and that is one kind of nice thing about these unmanaged hosting providers. And there are there are some managed hosting providers that have um, various points of presences too, but they tend to have data centers all over the world. Um, and it's really nice to just be able to say, "Well, I'm going to fire one up in London because that's where my client is, and that's where his customers are." Right. And I can just click, fire it up, and the the managed hosting company that you're working with they may or may not have a point of presence there right and you yeah, know. Nevin,
4: y'all, y'all have uh y'all have you have the west data center and uh, another got, one and the, and the got, netherlands right
3: yeah we've got two live in the u.s bay area and minneapolis uh we'll bring our virginia one up to our new stuff uh probably first half of this year uh we've got one in uh the netherlands uh for eu clients and then we're actually uh Probably second half of eighteen will be in uh, uh, Singapore.
4: Oh, nice. And do you do you place? Yep, we have our own on servers based on where their project is.
3: Um, yes, um,
0: we've got. Um, Someone's on Slack and it's not me.
4: <laughs> Brandon <laughs> yeah, just at channeled uh, everybody.
3: Staff <laughs> it's ignoring my uh, do not disturb because of something. Yeah, uh, it might actually be my wife. Um, <laughs>
0: Now what? you're in trouble, Nevin. Now yeah, you're probably. in big trouble. She's the co-owner of the business,
3: so uh, oh, okay. She can ignore do not disturbs if she wants to. Um, so yeah, I mean, the reality is is that even uh, even before we launched the EU data center, um, and even back into the Indian hosting days, probably close to thirty percent of our clients were outside the U.S. Mm. Um, that got easier when you started having low cost CDNs like Fastly and Cloudflare because it doesn't matter where the source server is. Um, and it also allows you to easily move the source server behind the CDN without actually changing DNS records or anything. Right. Um, but, um, obviously for data center privacy stuff, the EU is a, a prime market, um, especially with how the U.S. treats privacy stuff. Um, And we do have a lot of clients in Australia and Asia, uh, which is why we're hitting up the Asian market. Australia is, sorry, but they're still really, really backwards as far as (laughs) No, I work with
0: Australian clients every day. And believe me, they know. They bitch about their internet every day that I talk to them.
3: Colocation space in Australia is almost the same cost as anywhere else in the world, but bandwidth. I right. mean, you go to co-location places and they're still quoting like ten meg uplinks, right. hundred meg uplinks is like right. uh, a, 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 this exotic thing. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, what was it? There was some place. There was one place we were looking in not, not in Australia. It was I think they were quoting us like twenty two dollars a megabit on. Uh, like a hundred meg uplink, where we pay like somewhere between 40 cents and a dollar a megabit anywhere else in the world mm. so yeah no
0: it's, it's insane and I, again I talk to my clients from Australia all the time and it's really funny like they had this big national thing where they were going to bring fiber to everywhere right and they were, were going to become this modern nation with fiber going everywhere and what happened is it took a lot longer than they thought cost a lot more than they thought. And what they ended up doing was they brought fiber to, like, the 80% distance, and now the plan is that they're doing the final distance with copper. So
2: <laughs> so you're going to have... What? So there's literally no point in running the 80% of...
0: Well, yeah, because, you know, anyone who's connecting <laughs> over it, they're basically going to get modem or DSL speeds right. to this internet mm-hmm. backbone, which is just... It's insane. And for my... Australian brothers, I feel you. Yeah. Like sorry. we're not we're not busting on you. I just hear it from uh the, the clients and friends in Australia all the time that the, the Australian inter- internet uh setup, Nevin, I agree with you. It's like it's
3: <laughs> it's crazy. That's part, of, that's part of the reason we selected Singapore is right. it's it's really connected to to Japan and Hong Kong and whatnot, but it's also a bit closer um latency wise to Australia. Right. Uh, so it sort of covers both markets fairly easily. And the reality is, is that, you know, if we decide that we, you know, also want to stick one in Tokyo or we want to stick it in San Paulo and South America, we right. can easily deploy our server staff into a co-location center somewhere and, and run with it. Um, but realistically we're targeting, the main geographic markets and then letting CDNs handle it from there too. Yeah. Which makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, they- we, originally were, we were going to be in London, except that Brexit made that sort of pointless for EU clients. So, right. <laughs> right. I
0: didn't even think about that. That definitely is yep. an interesting wrinkle on that. So, I mean, yeah, and but- it-
3: <clears throat> sorry. And it's, it's still close enough to the UK that it's not noticeable. Um, but it it was a decision that we had to make. So what if you put it in Ireland? Um, yeah, that was there were that was a possibility. Um, what you got
0: to do is you got to find a warehouse that is right on the Northern Ireland and Ireland border, and just set up your colo there, and be like you can just straddle both markets and you don't have to worry about it.
2: Iceland, a r- Reykjavik data center.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I, I've i been to Iceland. I can't imagine that they have the, the best internet connection in the world. There. <laughs>
3: well, no, it's just, it's just they from virtual. What's that? They do have great cheap power though.
0: Oh yeah. Just the geothermal. Yeah, geothermal. But thunder. just, I, I'm just speaking location wise, right? Like for them to get anywhere, there's a cable that's going under the ground and there isn't a whole lot of, of traffic that is, needs to be getting there. You know what I mean? Um. But anyway, I mean, one of the things that uh, I think we've kind of covered a lot of server stuff, the one thing that we didn't really talk about is um, things like Docker. So Docker, for people that don't know what it is, um, it's basically a container service. And the idea is that it, it takes whatever little bits that you need for your application to run, bundles them up in a container, and then whether it's in your local development or it's on your uh, staging server or your production server, you then deploy your Docker container to it, and the environment is the same in every single place, and then up and, up and running it goes. Um, and I know a decent number of people that are um, using Docker uh, to deploy their websites and for local development. Um, but, still has for to be, but there still has to be a server there to run the Docker uh, containers and implementation on top of it. And they're typically using, these are usually like uh, more, you know, enterprise level uh, customer or clients um, that are comfortable with having their own Ansible set up and, uh, you know, they'll deploy all this stuff. But do you guys have any uh, thoughts on, on using Docker for this type of thing?
2: I use Docker for deployments. So mm-hmm. the idea behind that is, if you have um, like some build that has to run before your app can work in production, yep. which most of us probably do, right? So your options are you can deploy your app and then as part of your deployment process, you can run the build on the production server. So that kind of stinks, I guess, because you would have a period of time where you um, it would be in a state where it's not correct. The other thing you could do is you could, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, we're going to do a (laughs) podcast on deployments. So I don't want to get too much into that. I think the, the real benefit of Docker comes in when you use Docker in local dev, everyone on your team uses it in local dev. And then that same Docker container is what gets deployed to your staging and your production
2: servers. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, um, I was coming at it from the angle of you could run, you essentially run your build inside of Docker, so you don't end right. up committing temporary files.
4: Right. right. Well, and is. I guess the the uh, the abstraction that that will make most sense to a lot of people is um, we tend to think of servers as sort of singular things. Like mm-hmm. I have. A production server, and I have a local server.
0: Nevin doesn't um, think of that way. He thinks of it. And, I've got hundreds of servers, man.
4: <laughs> right. And, and so um, if you need to do stuff like complicated deployments or, or build scripts or whatever, um, then you can actually have your server be in several states at once, and you can just sort of point right. the Addresses or whatever to whichever one of those uh, iterations of your server, right. your air quote server, <laughs> happens to be in the right state at the right time. Um, and there's you know other ways around that, like you know like Envoyer, which is a kind atomic of deployments. Yeah, to, to forge. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get uh, all atomic, into atomic deployments another we day. We'll get there. But but like the point is, if you if you need part of your workflow to be the management of containerized servers that can like exist in many, many, many variations at once and then just, you know, have bits and pieces routed according to what is the right state. Like that's where something like Docker makes a lot of sense.
0: Uh well let me ask Nevin, are you using Docker for any of your virtualization or, or setup stuff? Or is it in the cards to use it?
3: Uh, No, we're actually, actually all of our current stuff is actually based on LXD, which is technically containers, but it's a Linux, full Linux image container instead of Docker, which is more single app. Right. LXD or Docker used to be based on LXC, which is an underlying component of that. But it's, uh, I mean, it's realistically Docker is a lightweight virtualization. Right concept um we probably long term we actually had looked at the concept of uh, allowing docker containers to be deployed to our lxd containers right um there's a possibility we're actually looking at it we haven't actually gotten a lot of people that have asked about docker i'm I think, interested again, it's <laughs> well i it's think i think one of the
0: reasons might be that a lot of people that are using it now like i said are are businesses or enterprises that have their own i t staff, so you know right they can support yep. that kind of thing
3: but it is slowly you have, to have a pretty
0: big need for it
3: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh...
0: I, I think it depends. I mean, one of the benefits again is that if you let's say you're you're working at a small agency, let's say you've got like four or five developers, if you go with the docker setup, everyone is always running off of the same. Docker per project, the same environment. When you uh, deploy it to staging or to production, they're still running the same environment, right? So it's very, it's very nice from that point of view that whatever, like you don't have a mix of some people are using Valet, some people are using MAMP, some people are using Homestead for local development. Everyone has the same environment, and that environment matches exactly the staging and production environment. And I I, I do think that it can be really handy even for smaller businesses. The the issue really is that it's a decent amount of work to wrap your head around it and to get it all set up and working, you know?
3: Give it a couple of years. I agree. Most most of what we're talking about now, people couldn't grasp five years ago, so.
0: Oh, I I definitely think that containerization for this stuff, I mean, it's where it's going to be. It's absolutely where it's going to be. And it's interesting because Jonathan and I just worked on a Heroku project. And I've done a few Heroku projects before. So Heroku, a lot of people have heard of it. But it's just sort of like this, I don't know, sounds kind of cool, (laughs) ninja, japanese name. I don't know what it is. Um, But it's kind of like, in some ways, it's kind of like Docker before Docker was cool. Um, In that what they've tried to do is they've tried to create all of these microservices, and when you fire an app up on Heroku you get to pick and choose like it doesn't come uh, prefab with anything like oh you're creating a docker app what database would you like to use and you can choose you know any number of these and any number of tiers for it oh you want an nginx server okay pick this package and it's very much it's almost like a buffet in a way that you just pick and choose these little services and you and you start using it um, I'll be honest with you, like, I'm not a Docker fan. Um, I like the idea. I like what kind of what they're going for there. Docker or Heroku? Uh, Sorry, Heroku. I'm not a Heroku fan. Um, From from the perspective of, in an ideal world, all of these little pieces work perfectly together. um, But it actually can be really annoying. From the perspective of, like, if something is going wrong, you can't. Like SSH in and try to fix it. It doesn't work like yeah, that. Was gonna be my, <laughs> yeah, that was gonna
1: be my next question. I, I haven't used Heroku before, so what's the interface like then? Like if you're you've got yeah. a GUI on the back end, okay, and that's what you use
0: to like add these the, add these little components and put them together. And you also um, you've got a file where you set your config for this thing what's, to get what's deployed. What's the name of
2: the file that Heroku uses? It's like
0: a Oh, <sighs> crap. I knew you're gonna do this to me. <laughs> you it's like a Anyway, it no, just no, seems no. Like... I'm going to I'm going to find it because I just set one up. <laughs> yeah, I've but only done he's... three or four sites using Heroku. Um, you're so... talking about like the, the config. Um, yeah, they call um, it
2: like
0: a proc file
2: proc file. Boom.
0: Yeah. So Kinda, Heroku... kind of analogous to a vagrant file if you're using. vagrant. Right. Yeah. So
2: Heroku was like when Heroku came along, it was trying to solve the problem that a lot of these provisioning services came along and solved better. Later. And so I don't really see the Which use scaling. Case right. It's, I think I so too.
0: But some businesses, and we ran into that with that client, some businesses are like, well, you know, either you're using our IIS server or you're using Heroku. Those are the only things that our company has approved. You can't use anything else. Uh. Give, give him an
2: IIS and the other option, I think it was always going to be the other option. Well,
0: and, and primarily that was just because I had some Heroku experience and I had close to zero IIS experience. Um, if it was the reverse, then I would have gone with IIS, you know um,
4: yeah, I mean Her- Heroku solves an, an, an interesting niche need, um, because like, lots of these provisioning services and even like VPSs, like Arcustec, you, know, have a solution for how big of a server do you need? Right and in right. general, how big is some like small number of presets combinations of memory and hard disk space right. and sometimes bandwidth or whatever, um, and and let's be and honest, so it's a guess when we're starting a, a project. We're just like solve. I don't know. It's a
2: very hard problem to solve. Yeah,
4: but but um, a lot of times, like bucketizing it in that way is fine for for a lot of projects. Right. But there's some projects where the need profile is just really lopsided. Right. it's like I only need forty megabytes of disk for my project, but I need, you know, a terabyte for my database, and I need my, like, my caching cluster to yes. be <laughs> enormous or whatever. And so like I'm, I'm writing so a neural. They don't fit into the buckets, and sometimes they change quickly. Sometimes those needs change quickly in really lopsided ways. And so, like, Heroku is okay at solving that niche need on an enterprise level, where for me, like, just upping the size of my uh, DigitalOcean droplet if my project gets popular is fine. And for someone else, calling Nevin and saying, hey – my database is Hold on, hold on. Slowly. Don't call Nevin. To, like, File a, a ticket. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. You know. Like, give the guy a break. Don't call no, you him. You should call Nevin. You should before, call Nevin. No. He loves well, it when we, you do Before
2: that. we end this episode, we need to make sure we give out his personal
3: cell phone. Oh my so god. He right. <laughs> He's going to hunt you down <laughs> I do, and kill I do you. More unknown numbers. So, uh. I, uh, <laughs> All right, I got it right here. You ready?
0: <laughs> but no, <laughs> Michael, you're right that that usually those buckets work, right? But if I'm writing some neural net software that analyzes cat faces and tries to recognize their emotions, it might be super c p u intensive and doesn't need any disk space and, doesn't and, need any and disk space. yeah and and there you would end up with something kind of lopsided, but for you know the ninety five percent case, these kind of preset choices are are pretty good it, well, yeah. do guys, do a the average
4: web agency doesn't
0: need to care in most cases right so Guys, we, we have been on here for a little while. I think we should probably wind it down. I think this has been fantastic. Uh, and, Nevin, I want to really thank you for coming on here as well. Now, I know that you have had a busy couple of days. Is there anything you want to talk about or you just want to go to sleep?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, actually, uh, sleep sounds real good. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
4: I believe Andrew is referring.
3: To no, no, meltdown. no, no! I
4: gave him the option. Don't. Oh.
0: <laughs> if he doesn't want to go yeah, there, actually. we're not going there.
4: Uh, to, to place this episode in in time for people listening later, right? We've just yeah, dis- discovered that all our process- processes are screwed. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. yeah, this is where we're dealing with kind of the fallout of the uh, the meltdown inspector bugs that affect uh, Intel processors for meltdown and Spectre for everything. Everything. So. We're having yeah, fun luckily, right
3: Nevin? I think luckily for everyone the the one that's harder to exploit is the one that was harder to patch mm. if it would have been the other way around yeah, yeah we would all have been really screwed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, all right, I think we're going to be nice to Nevin and we're going to let him get some sleep um, but I, I think this has been a, a fun episode where we got to talk about all this kind of stuff and that about uh, wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. Uh, to have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS, set, <laughs> our RSS, or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what our, we're doing, leave us a review. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at devmode, uh, FM, And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave a comment on de- the devmode.fm website. For the Def, devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch.
1: I'm Earl Johnston.
2: I'm Jonathan Noble,
0: I'm Michael Rogg. And thank and you. Netflix. Yep, I was about to say. Wait. And thank you, <laughs> no. Nevin Line, for that. coming on from Arcus Tech. No, it's, it's okay. It's no big deal. <laughs> and bye-bye. <laughs>